This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. You know you're getting old when you can say, back in my day. (laughs) Of course, I'm referring to the early 2000s. (laughs) Back in my day, uh, living on Washpool Street, about 200 metres up the road from my house was a corner store, the Washpool Street shops. They've changed a bit since I was living there. I sort of remember it in sepia tones. Uh, But this (laughs) store here was a corner store. And back in my day, my parents could give me $2 and send me up the road because the streets were safer back in the early 2000s. And I could take my $2 and I could buy some lollies. They'd get their white paper bag and I'd start looking at the lollies on the counter. Some were worth five cents, some worth 10 cents. You know, some of the more expensive, you know, the, you, you had to really figure out how you're going to spend your money. But these are the lollies that I would choose. I'd choose some, some red clouds. Get some red clouds in there. Let's see what I can find in my red clouds in there. You know, they were probably worth a couple of cents each. Get some red clouds in there, absolutely. And then after I got my red clouds, I would... uh, Raspberries. Raspberries. They were a bit cheaper, you know. Some of them you could get like three for 10 cents, that sort of thing. It was amazing. Get some of those in my paper bag. Uh, Musk sticks. Does anyone remember musk sticks? I get some, they were a bit more expensive. They were like 10 cents a pop, you know, pop those in the bag. They were, they were, they were hard. Uh, The, the sour red licorice straps, uh, sour raspberry straps, redskins. Anyone that knows me knows I love redskins. Redskins were great because sometimes they're like rock hard, sometimes they're soft. It's luck of the draw. So I never got too many because if they were rock hard, I didn't really enjoy them. So I just got a few just in case they might be soft that week. What else would I get? Oh, red licorice, the only licorice that should exist. Are you picking up a pattern here about the style of lolly I like? I'd also get lolly snakes, but I'd ask them to pick out the red ones. By this point, I would say something along the lines of, how much have I spent so far? And the shopkeeper, blank face, would just be like, you were meant to be keeping track of that. So they'd say something like, I don't know, $1.75. And then I'd perhaps get some red frogs, red frogs. There were green frogs as well, but no one likes them. <laughs> so I would get the red frogs with the last remaining money. Yes, I do like raspberry, I do like strawberry. That is my lolly of choice. If it's red, it means it's good. If it's red, it's pure. If it's red, it's clean. If it's red, it's good. If it's red, it's proper. If it's red, it's kosher. Understanding that a lot of them contain pig, (laughs) gelatin. Nonetheless, kosher. If it's red, we can be very selective. 
Not just in our favourite flavours and our favourite colours, but throughout our lives. We can be selective in what we watch. We can be selective about what we listen to. Selective about our sports teams. We even have selective schools. We're selective with our friendships and selected with our invite lists. If you really want to offend someone, just don't invite them to your next event. We are selective. We're quick to decide what is good, like red frogs, and what's bad, like green frogs. We're quick to decide what's proper, clean, lawful, kosher. We're quick to decide who is proper, clean, lawful, and kosher. But is God this selective? I think perhaps there might be good news for green frogs. And to discover if there is good news for green frogs, I'm going to tell you a tale of two frogs. I'm going to be reading from Acts 10 and the title is Peter and Cornelius. And all you need to know is this, Peter is a red frog. Not only is he a Jew, but he spent time with Jesus. He is a red frog. He is a Jew. He's lived his life as a Jew. He is proper. He is clean. He is kosher. He has done all the things that you need to do as an infant to be a Jew. But Cornelius, well, he fights for Rome. He is not a Jew. He is unclean. He is not proper. He isn't kosher. In some sense, he hasn't done the things you need to do as an infant to become a Jew, so he is unclean, unproper. And it says he was a God-fearing man, a term here which means, you know, well, theologians sort of disagree, but you could imagine him as sort of someone that looked at the Jews and sort of respected them but wasn't willing to do everything that it took to become a Jew because that could hurt so he was God, but he was still a green frog. A tale of two frogs, Acts 10. At Caesarea, I've been to Caesarea. It's a beautiful place. I'm not a fan of sand, and in Caesarea, the beaches are like small pebbles. Much better. A much better version of a beach. You don't get sand places. You don't want sand. Caesarea, Caesarea was, it was absolutely beautiful. It was a sunny day. I've been there. It's amazing. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a centurion, a soldier, a centurion meaning that he was a leader. He, in fact, led a hundred men. He was a commander of a hundred men. For Rome, a devout man who feared God with all his household. Here's that term, feared God. Again, this doesn't mean that he was a Christian or followed the way of Jesus. It doesn't mean he was necessarily a Jew. Theologians do disagree. Some say that it might just mean he was agnostic and he was a polite man in society and he did charitable deeds. So he's sort of agnostic. He believes there's a God out there, but he doesn't know who it is. Some would say that he was God-fearing, which meant every synagogue sort of had one or two people who would come along and sit in synagogue. They weren't Jews, but they'd sit there and they'd listen. He was God-fearing, but he wasn't in the in crowd. He gave alms or money generously to the people and he prayed continually to a God, a God he probably doesn't even know the name of. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. 
And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner. Whenever I read this, I just picture it like a, a Simon by a pool with one of those mirror things, sort of like tanning the skin. Oh, Peter, would you bring me some grapes, please? Simon the tanner. Simon the tanner. Whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him, he had departed. And so Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa to find Peter. So here we have Cornelius, the green frog. No matter how many arms he gives or no matter how much he prays to God, he's always going to be a green frog because he's not a Jew. He's not one of God's chosen people. You know, I think, sort of think of like Cornelius as, you know how when we're talking to our friends and we're trying to convince them to come to church and they say, well, I've met a lot of Christians and I've met a lot of non-Christians and I find the non-Christians are nicer people. Perhaps you're sitting in the room and you think my non-Christian friends are nicer people than my church friends. Perhaps you are sitting in the room and thinking that. I think of Cornelius as one of like these non-church friends. They're sort of spiritual. They believe something out there that exists. They're very generous, but they're just not churchgoers. They're just not in the in crowd. You know, they're just not doing all the things that make you a Christian. Do you know what I mean? You might have those spiritual friends, spiritual friends, green frogs in your life. It seems here that God speaks to green frogs. This man, Cornelius, who is not a Christian, is sitting at home and an angel appears to him who he calls the Lord. He says, Lord, what do you want? God speaks to this man. God speaks to green frogs. The people we prayed for before that are on your heart, I believe that God can speak to them. I truly do. Even if you don't say a word. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I'm saying it can. And I think that is pretty spectacular. The next day as they were on their journey, and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry, something that me and Peter have in common. And he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened like, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean or unkosher. I'm a Jew. So this sheep descends with all these various different types of unclean animals and God's saying, kill and eat. And he's like, but that's unclean. I've never, never in my life have I eaten these things. They're common, they're unclean. And the voice came to him again and said the second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I think this is what the vision would look like if I had it. 
a sheet descending from the sky full of all sorts of unclean things. Licorice all sorts. If you like these, we can pray for you later. Mint leaves. If your favourite lolly is a mint leaf, brush your teeth and save your money. (laughs) Blue clouds, just not as good as the red ones. Sherbies. Milko sticks. Good, but they're for children. Not for adults like me. Cola sour straps. There's red sour straps. Why would they invent the cola ones? This is what it might look like for me. I've got in my head that red lollies are the way to go. Yum, yum, red. Raspberry, strawberry. Clean, proper, good. Any good civil human being likes red lollies. And if I was having a vision, I think it would look like this. I think the sheep would descend and I'd see all these kind of unclean lollies. And God would say to me, Lewis, you have to eat them. And I'd say, God, but I only eat red lollies. And he'd have to send the vision three times to convince me put a mint leaf in my mouth. (laughs) Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had had might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, they stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. And so Peter invited the men in to be his guests. And the next day he rose and went away with them. He rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had gathered together all his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I, I too am a man. I love that. Nothing to do with my sermon, but just as a side note, I really do love that. I love uh, the humility that Peter shows here. He goes to preach to someone and the person bows down. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. He's like, stand up. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. I love that humility. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone who is a green frog. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. 
I asked then why you sent for me. I want to pause here for this part of the passage for a second. And so here you can see, although Cornelius is God-fearing and is respected by the Jewish nation, even Peter considers walking in his house unlawful and unclean. For a red frog to associate with a green frog. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. The Jews have a lot of laws, can be found in the Torah, over 600 of them, lots and lots of laws, ranging from don't murder, it's a good one, I'm still all good with that one, to if you build a two-story house, make sure you put a fence around it so that your children don't fall off. It's one of the Jewish laws. And if I go through these 600 plus laws and I look for, can a Jew enter a Gentile's house? I won't find it in the law. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit with anyone of another nation. Peter is a good Jew. He's very well versed in the law. Yet if I look for this law, it isn't in the Torah. So what does he mean by unlawful? It's only used two times in the New Testament, this version of the word unlawful, and it does not mean in the Jewish law. It just sort of means not set right, not proper, not kosher. Because the Jewish leaders decided over a period of time they would create some of their own laws. And they would take Bible texts and they'd put the Bible texts together and they'd make laws out of them so that Jews would be afraid to do things like walk into the house of a red, of a green frog. So that Jews would think red frogs can't associate with green frogs. So Peter, as a good Jew, listening to Jewish elders and teachers his whole life, thinks that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with a non-Jew thinks it's unclean, thinks it's not proper, thinks it's not set in place. This is why we as a church need to be so careful not to lay up heavy burdens on people and create laws that we're just sort of piecing together from different scriptures. We have to be very careful not to do that. Preachers need to be very careful not to do that. I need to be very careful I don't get up here and do a hell and brimstone sort of fire and brimstone sermon and scare you. I need to be very, very careful. I need to be careful as a teacher because I'll be judged more harshly than anyone else that I don't create laws that God isn't speaking to you. I believe that's very, very, very important. Because Peter walks in and says, you know what's unlawful? For a Jew to hang out with a non-Jew. You know red frogs can't associate with green frogs. But thank God he walked into the house. Because if he didn't, us in this room, all of us green frogs, all of us non-Jews may never have heard the gospel. For this was an instance where the door of the gospel was opened to green frogs. 
in the book of Acts. We have to be very, very, very careful. That's why when we write our documents, whether it be the constitution we're voting on or anything else, it's important that we revise these things regularly because as a church and as a leadership, we're trying to make sure that what we're doing isn't creating And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. Simon a Tanner by the sea. We've got lots of those on the central coast, Tanners by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to me. To come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all you have been commanded by the Lord to say. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I'm so glad that the red frog gathered with a bunch of green frogs and decided to preach a gospel so true that it rains, rains today across the world. I'm so glad he spoke to these green frogs so that they might come to God as they are and have their life changed and transformed by this God. I love the quote, you've probably heard it before. You know, God loves you so much, he let you come as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. God accepts all the green frogs. Then he works on them and transforms them. I'm so glad that this red frog walked into a house full of green frogs. Our youth group's a little bit like this. <laughs> Have a bunch of red frogs, you know, the kids that grew up in church. A bunch of green frogs, the uncouth. For a few weeks, the uncouth were missing this term. And the one week Travis comes back to visit my youth group, boy, did the uncouth show up in droves. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, man-made rules at youth. We put up, we put up uh, barriers that, you know, it's sort of like the indication is please stay inside the barriers. Of course, if you're an uncouth youth, <laughs> we haven't had that for three weeks and then Travis comes and all of a sudden... Hordes, hordes of uncouth youth against the walls. Doing those youthy things. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, of all the weeks. <laughs> why now? God, why today? But our youth group is for red frogs and our youth group is for green frogs. And we had a junior-senior split on Friday night. And uh, the seniors went down the back and the juniors stayed here. And I did one of my little mini five to ten minute sermons. And I tell you what, there was an uncouth youth just in the corner of my eye. And the moment I started telling a joke about KFC, he was on. <laughs> he was staring in the eyes. And then I started talking about Jesus. And I did a prayer that, at the end of the night, anyone, 
anyone need Jesus to remind them that he's there for them, that he's died for what they're going through. And an uncouth youth raised their hand. Our youth group is for the green frogs and the red frogs. It's a beautiful thing. We need to learn not to call anyone uncommon, unlawful. We need to learn to accept them, to share the good news with them and let God transform their lives. Pray for our youth. And pray for your youth pastor. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing when we reach out to those who are not like us. If you keep going up Washpool Street from the corner store and you turn right, you'll go past the water towers and you'll go past the hospital and then you can turn left and you'll go past the cemetery and if you keep driving, you'll reach the Baptist church. And in the Baptist church, there's a craft group. I heard there was a craft group here on Saturday with nine people gathering to do craft. Pretty amazing. Thank you, Beth Lane. I think she's in creche at the moment, but pretty amazing. And at Billowilla Baptist Church, you'll find a craft group. And some years ago, within the craft group, you would have found a woman called Priya, meeting people from her local community. A Hindu lady at a Baptist church doing craft. A refugee, her and her husband both having married in Australia and having two children, Australian-born, you would have found Priya doing craft. And if you sort of went back out from the Baptist church, drove more down the main street and turned right, you would end up at the Anglican church and you'd find her children, Kopika and Thanika, doing mainly music with the Anglican church. You would have found Nadis at the Meekworks working hard for his family. And while he was at work, his wife would sometimes walk into the Catholic church despite being a Hindu, lighting candles and saying prayers. A family very involved in the community and a family very involved with the local Christians Amazingly. But on 5am Monday the 5th of March 2018, the police came and raided their home and gave them with their two small children 10 minutes to pack so that they could be put on a plane and sent to a detention centre where they remained for a very, very long time. And from the local Baptist church, there were some lovely people. The Austins, Mrs. Vaccarara, all people from the craft group. They even teach English second language lessons at the Baptist church because the Meatworks has so many immigrants and refugees. And the Austins particularly and some other Christians from the town started a movement, Home to Biloela. Home to Biloela. A few local Christians decided we are going to do whatever we can to fight for this Hindu family who has been part of our community. They're not like us. They're not red frogs. They're green frogs. But we're going to do whatever we can for these green frogs. In fact, multiple times they flew to Melbourne to visit them 
in detention. I believe this photo was taken in a detention centre. And the local Christians, they fought and they fought and they fought and the whole town rallied together. It made the news, it made the media, the whole town rallied together. This is a conservative town. I grew up very conservative. In some sense, I am a conservative. And I love that Mr. Austin, he, he has this great quote where he says, well, I'm a conservative and I believe in strong borders. But $6 million keeping this family in detention is a bit much. <laughs> a bunch of conservative Christians fighting for a Hindu family of refugees. So much so that the whole town sees and gets involved. And they fought and they fought and they fought. And if they didn't fight, maybe no one would have heard these names, Priyarinadas, before. Because there's lots of families like this in detention who have lived in Australia and been put in detention. Just so happens that a bunch of local Christians fought for this particular family. So much so that then when there was a change of government, the government knew the names and released them from detention. Maria Austin did an interview and they were like, why? Why have you done this? And she said, because I was at my Baptist church one Sunday morning and they were preaching on the Good Samaritan. Where all the red frogs leave the green frog in a ditch to die until another green frog comes along and saves the other green frog. And it's like, well, who's more holy, the green frog or the red frog? She was like, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm praying that after this sermon, maybe you'll feel on your heart, I've got to do something. And so on, the 10th of June, 2022, they step out of an aeroplane at Thangul Airport, about 11 kilometres from Biloela. The whole town out with signs. And they are home. They're not yet Christian. But how beautiful it is when we reach out and do things for people who are not like us. How beautiful it is when red frogs and green frogs mix in the same bag. It could be so easy to preach this message in a way that would be like, okay, now go, go out in the world and reach your green frogs, reach the people on your heart. But I think it's more important to remember that I, you, we are all <laughs> green frogs. A, because 